So today we're going to talk about worship. Um, the last time I preached on worship was like an eight-week series. So I hope you're comfortable. And I hope that you don't have a roast in the oven because we've got to get through eight weeks of stuff and whatever time I can get it done today. So it might be a little long. I'm just teasing some of you because some of you are like, well, I'm not going to I have a question for you, though. How many, how many reality, reality show fans do we have out there? Anybody like reality shows? Or you just don't like to admit it while you're here in church? Have you noticed how many reality shows there are about how many different realities are out there? There's the reality shows that talk about relationships. I don't know that they're necessarily what I would call good relationships. Uh, I have some friends at work that watch I, The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. I never keep track of which one it is, but they, I was just talking to them the other day, and they said, ah, yeah, they, uh, that it didn't work out. The relationship didn't work out in the long run. Oh, really? <laughs> Who knew? Who knew you could try and have you couldn't have, try and have a relationship with 25 people and then narrow it down to one in six weeks and then have it figured out? But then there's also some other fun ones. How many of you watch Amer- anybody watch American Pickers? Uh, see, when I said, "Does anybody watch reality TV?" Everybody's with their hand down. I say, "Anybody watch American Pickers?" Half the church raise their hand. So next time I preach, it's got to be on honesty, right? Or how about Storage Wars? Anybody watch Storage Wars? Where they bid on those, those leftover storage units and then they, they always find some huge treasure and they got to figure out what it's worth. It's funny to me because worth really is relative, isn't it? What something is worth really matters to the person that has it or that wants it. Think about this. How many of you have something that in your house that you hold on to that probably if you were to sell to someone else would be worth maybe a few dollars. But to you, it would cost millions of dollars to get rid of. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? We all do, right? That's what we're going to talk about today because we're going to talk about worship. And I'm going to do it, very, I'm going to do it as quickly as I can to get through as much as I can. We're going to go through the five... W's and one H of worship. We're going to fly through the first four. All right? So hold on. I'm, I'm going to try and talk at a pace you can hear and understand, but sometimes I get a little quick-winded. So if I do, just raise your hand and say, hey, you're too, too fast. I can't keep up. And that's fine. But we're going to get through. We're going to go through this because we're going to start with the what. What is worship? How many of you ever wondered that question? You guys are good today. Everybody knows worship. Okay, so we're going to skip the first point. Because really all I was going to say is that it's an old English word that means to give worth to something or to bow in reverence or to give reverence or worthiness to something. So everybody's got that, right? We're good? We might be done on time today. Okay, so then what's the second one? The second one is who do we worship? And see, there's a reason I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these, because we're in church, right? So for me to say, who do we worship, seems a little bit silly, because we have it all over. We just spent a great amount of time singing and worshiping and talking about God. But who do we worship? Who is the God that we worship? In Exodus chapter 20, 
What's, what's in Exodus chapter 20? Somebody tell me. i got to wake you up a little bit. What big thing in the Bible is in Exodus chapter 20? The Ten Commandments, good. And what's the first commandment? Thou shalt have, I, I learned it in the King James Version, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Right? In the NIV or some of the new versions, it says you, should have, you shouldn't have a God before me. So who is it that we worship? We worship God and God alone. We at, at True North, and we, we have a God and we believe in a God that we can't see, that we can't touch, but we know is there. And he's the one that created all of that we know. He created all of the earth, all of the heavens, all of the clouds. Anything you look and see, he's the one that created it, right? So that's what we need to remember is that we're worshiping God and God alone. We don't worship God plus somebody. We don't worship Buddha. We don't worship Joseph Smith. We don't, we, none of those things. We, we worship the God of creation. And sometimes it's easy for us to forget that, isn't it? Because sometimes, sometimes it'd be, it's difficult to worship somebody you can't see. Anybody feel that way? Feel like it's difficult to have a relationship with somebody that's not there? I mean, they say that that distance sometimes makes the heart grow fonder and all that kind of stuff, but it'd be nice to see them every once in a while, Right? So as we're learning to worship, we have to, we're worshiping a God that we don't see, but he's the only God. And there aren't other gods unless we choose to make things more important. Right? Everybody okay with that one? Everybody understands who we're worshiping? We're worshiping God and God alone. The, our motto as a church is love God, love others, Right? So the first part of that in Mark that I have up there, the first part of that is love the Lord your God with what? All of your heart, all of your soul, and with all your mind. Right? So get invested in it. Questions? Let's move on. All right. So we know the what of worship. We know the who of worship. What about the where of worship? That's a little bit, that's a little bit more of a challenge, isn't it? Where can I worship? Anywhere, right? Some of us feel like we have to come to church to worship. We have special Sunday nights that are called worship nights, and those are fantastic. And, and, and I love that we do those. But sometimes we feel like our worship only happens when we're at church. So I can't really worship anywhere else. If I'm going to worship, it's going to be on Sunday morning for a couple hours, and then I'm going to go home. Right? How many of Anybody struggle with that? Come to worship, you enjoy worship, but then you go back, you go back home and, yeah, well, okay, we'll, we'll see you next week. Remember the story of the, of the Samaritan woman in John? We talked about it several weeks ago in our series on John. In John chapter 4. Remember, that's, she's the lady that really wasn't living as holy as people thought she probably should be. So she's having a conversation with Jesus. Jesus puts her on the spot says, hey, go call your husband. She says, uh, uh, well, that's the thing, sir. So they have this. So the best way to deal with that is to divert attention and change the subject. All of us know how to change the subject if there's a tight subject, right? 
something comes up you don't want to talk about, you can change the subject. So she changes the subject. And what does she change the subject to? Worship. Right? She says, hey, you Jews say that we have to go to Jerusalem or we have to go up on the mountain or we have to go here, we have to go there to worship. But what's, what, what really matters and where, where does it really matter? And what does Jesus say to her? He says, he says, I'll tell you where to worship. True worshipers worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Now, I have a test for you. Somebody give me directions to spirit. Nobody knows? Can I Google map it? Or how about truth? Are there, is there a way that I can pull up Google Maps and I can, put in, I can type in truth and I can go there? This means yes, this means no. No. It's not a place, right? Worship is not about a place, it's about your heart. Remember, what did, what did Jesus say that we just talked about? Love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Not with your car, so you can drive, right? You don't have to go someplace special. Because worship really is about giving honor to, showing reverence for. So where can I do that? I can do that in my car, can't I? Some of my, I've I've had some fantastic worship services driving down the road. I've had some fantastic worship services sitting in my chair at home and changing the channel from stupid TV to something else. I've had fantastic worship services all over the place with myself giving praise to God. Because what is worship? Worship is showing worth for, giving reverence to. So I I can really do that anywhere. There's, There's not a specific place that I have to go to, that I have to be at, that I have to have a, a certain setup. It's funny because several years ago, probably in the 90s, some of you may have been around for it, there was a huge issue about churches. And we, we, were, kind of make, we were kind of in a transition as churches. And um, we moved from pews to chairs to gymnasiums to a gymnasium that was a uh, buildings that were gyms during the week and worship centers on the weekend and there was a lot of struggle with that and and i'll be honest with you i really struggled with that myself because i'm i'm kind of old-fashioned and jesus loves me anyway and i'm glad for that but it was a struggle for me to sit inside a gymnasium with basketball goals and volleyball poles and lines on the floor in worship, because I was used to ornate churches and stained glass windows and fancy fronts and all that kind of stuff. I might be the only one that struggled with that. But, but as we made some of those transitions, it was difficult. And what I've had to understand, what I had to learn is, I'm there to worship God. And God can be there if it's in a sanctuary that's ornate. And God can be there if it's in a gymnasium. 
And God can even be there in a gymnasium when there aren't chairs set up and there aren't people singing and there aren't people holding hands and there aren't people preaching. Because worship really isn't about the place. It's about the heart. Which means I can do it anywhere. Softball games, basketball games. You, I'll tell you one of the coolest worship things I see is when I go to these high school athletic events and I see two teams that have just battled it out on the, on the floor, run up and down, tried to beat each other, tried to, I mean, as a coach, I, as a coach, I'm pretty cutthroat. I'm like, let's pound them until we're done pounding them, Right? Let's beat them until we're done beating them. Let, let's make them. I, I, t- I used to tell my girls, let's send them home crying to their mommies today. Right? I, 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 I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm sorry. But, it's, it, it, I, but that's my competitive spirit. I've always been that way. And, and as of yet, God hasn't taken that completely away from me yet. Well, I keep praying for that, but it hasn't happened. But to see them battle it out and fight it out in the basketball floor, then they come together and they, they make a circle and they hold hands and they pray. It amazes me. That's that's worship. That's a group of people saying what really matters in this, what really matters is God. What really matters in my life is God. I love the sport of basketball. I love the sport of volleyball. I love the sport of soccer, lacrosse, hockey, whatever it might be. I love to play that and it's exciting and I enjoy it. But what really matters in my life is God. And let's bring it back. Let's, let's make sure that we don't forget what really matters is God. I can worship wherever. Wherever I choose to. I, I can worship in the barn while I'm cleaning stalls. I, I can worship on a trail riding a horse. I, I can worship wherever I want to because really what worship is, is worship is giving reverence to. It's saying to someone, you're more important than I am. You matter more than I do. And I can do that anywhere. I don't want us to get hung up on a place. Although I love this place. And a lot of fun things happen in this place. It's nice to come to worship and to share and to see people. And part of worship is building relationships that encourage each other. That's why it's good to come to church. That's why, that's why I like coming to church. Because that's part of worship is, is helping each other grow in our relationship. Because worship really is giving praise to God. But it's not about this place. You can worship the Lord anywhere you are. And you can have... It's possible to have even deeper meaning worship times outside of the church. I will say, though, I'm very, very, we are very, very blessed to have the people that lead our worship lead our worship. And one of the things that I like, one of the things I like the most about our worship team is they're they're just the lead worshipers. They're worshiping with us when we come on Sunday morning. And they're just asking us to join them as they worship the Lord. They're committed to the Lord. They love the Lord. They serve the Lord. And they're, in, they're, they're giving praise and honor and glory to a God that they love and care about. And as a part of that, they say, why don't you guys come along with us? 
as opposed to maybe a show being up here. They're just worshiping the Lord, and I'm so grateful. I'm so, so grateful that we have those people that do such a good job. It's not about a place. It's about our hearts. And I have to remember what order I put these in. That's why i got to keep looking. When should we worship? Turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. I purposely didn't mark my pages, so I have to turn to them to give you time to find them. It's page 921 in this. If you don't have one of these Bibles, then uh, if you get to 1st or 2nd Timothy, go back a couple pages. All right? 1st Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. <laughs> this is Paul. Paul says, Always be joyful. Keep on praying no matter what happens. Always be thankful for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. When should we praise God? When should we worship? All the time. Older versions of that say pray without ceasing. That was that was kind of stressful as a kid. I just have you I, I'll just let you know cuz I, I my mom and dad are here, and I love them dearly, and I'm very glad that they're here. My dad's now fully retired, so we're excited about that. I told you about that a little bit ago. But I, I, I grew up in kind of a black and white house. It, there, it, there were the rules, and there were breaking the rules. And sometimes you would choose to break the rules, and sometimes you would choose not to break the rules. And if you chose to break the rules, well, you paid the price. If you didn't choose to break the rules, then you didn't pay the price. All right? we, and, that, and that's good. I, I needed that. I was that kid that needed that. But that means I always took things very literally, and when... People, when preachers would stand up and say, pray without ceasing, I'm like, oh, goodness gracious. Does God really expect me to do <laughs> Am I supposed to be in a constant state of prayer? Because I, I know I talk a lot, but I might run out of stuff to say. Right? Does that mean that I have to be content? Does that mean that I can't stop praying? Because how am I going to eat? I mean, because I if I'm going to pray, I've got to bow my hands, I've got to bow my head, hold my hands, I've got to close my eyes. How am I going to eat? How am I going to do anything else? If I'm praying without ceasing, because to pray without ceasing means to not stop. Holy cow, that's crazy. What's Paul really saying? Remember that you're continually with God, and God is always with you. And it's okay to pray whenever you want to. And our lives should be lived out in worship of him. And they should, they should be able to see us in that. Any time something comes up, we should be praying. And praying is really what? Because sometimes we feel like prayer is special, right? How many feel like prayer has to be special? I'll ask you this question because this will answer it for you. How many of you are afraid to pray in public? Nobody? Some of you guys need to come to my small group because they, I, I got some people in the small group. They don't really like praying in front of people, and I, and I understand that. But think about that. What is prayer? Prayer is talking to God, isn't it? So what Paul is saying is 
Stay connected to the Lord. Keep on praying. Don't give up praying. Always, always be joyful. (laughs) But what Paul says is always worship. We should always be worshiping God. No matter where we're at, no matter what we're doing. Because we've talked about that, right? It's not about a place. It's about a heart. And, and then how should we worship? There's all kinds of ways to pray. If you read through scripture and, and look at things about worship, you'll see prayer with instruments. You'll see prayer without. You'll see worship with instruments. You'll see worship without instruments. You'll see worship in different ways, doing different things. The harp, the lyre, the tambourine. There's all kinds of things out there. Stringed instruments. Praise the Lord. Whatever, whatever instruments you want to. That was another big struggle. Anybody else? Those worship wars that I was talking about before, as they've kind of not so affectionately turned back in the 90s. One of the biggest issues was, can you actually worship the Lord with a guitar? So we weren't around for that. It was pretty stressful. Um, and, it, and it got pretty ugly. A lot of, church, a lot of churches split over, are we going to have a praise team that has guitars and drums, or are we going to have the piano and organ? Something got missed, didn't it? Because scripture is full of, full of instrumental worship. Instruments being played for the Lord. And different kinds of instruments. Down in Kentucky, I went to school in Kentucky. Down there, they have non-instrumental churches of Christ. I grew up Church of Christ. And so there, was the, there, there were the non-instrumental churches, and there were the instrumental churches. And you never really were sure until you showed up and there was no instruments in church. But I can tell you something. I'll tell you this. Those non-instrumental churches, they had some of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard. You can worship with instruments. You can worship without instruments. You can worship here. The, in Romans chapter 12, Paul says, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord, because this is your spiritual act of worship. Our bodies can be used to worship. You'll see people in worship raise their hands. You'll see people in worship bow on their knees. You'll see people in worship come to the front and pray. There's all kinds of ways. There's nothing right or wrong about how you worship. You can worship the Lord because, remember, what did he tell the lady in, in Samaria? We're going to worship in spirit and truth. The true worshipers are going to worship the Lord in spirit and truth, which means the worship comes from where? It comes from inside. I mean, that's really what it is about, isn't it? It really starts inside of our spirit. And it's the spirit that's within us. It's the spirit of God that's within us that is what brings to us the worship to God. That's, the, that's what tells us, okay, we're going to worship God. Okay, okay, we're going we're gonna to give praise to God because it's the spirit within us that's so in love with God Almighty that it, 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 just, can't, it just can't stop but pray and worship. You remember the story of Jesus on, the, on Palm Sunday riding a donkey? Into, into Jerusalem, right? He's riding. And the Pharisees, they didn't really like Jesus. Actually, they hated him. They're trying to kill him. But they're riding in. He's riding in on this donkey to, to Jerusalem. And they start trying to tell the people not to praise him, right? Hey, don't praise him. He's not worthy. You shouldn't be praising him. Hey, stop, stop, quit. Hey, quit, stop. <clears throat> what does Jesus say? I'm going to tell you something. Pharisees. Sadducees, religious people, I'm going to tell you something. If they stop, 
those rocks are going to cry out to me. Those, those things that are on the ground that you think don't have a, don't have a mouth, watch this. Because worship is about the heart. And no matter how you express that worship, if it's giving reverence to God, it's worship. Some of you may not be comfortable raising your hands. That's okay. Some of you may not be comfortable kneeling. That's okay. That doesn't mean you're less spiritual. That doesn't mean you love Jesus less. Some of you do raise your hands. Some of you do kneel. That's okay. That doesn't mean you're any more spiritual. It just means that's the way that you worship because Jesus says we're going to worship in spirit and in truth. So how we worship really, really isn't a thing either, is it? And then singing. I put singing up there. Singing is mentioned 146 times in the New International Version. Paul read it this morning, sing to the Lord, sing praise to the Lord. What is so special about singing? Because it's okay to raise it. We talked about raising your hands. But singing is paramount to our worship. Why? Let's look at it this way. If I'm going to give worth to somebody, how many of you, anybody in a, anybody in a relationship with someone else? Okay, most of us are, right? Do you express your feelings about them simply with actions or simply by showing up? You come into the say you come home from work, no conversation, just come in and sit in the same room. Maybe even just follow them around. Through the house, they go in the kitchen, you go in the kitchen. They go in the, they go in the living room, watch TV, you go in the living room, watch TV. They, they go in the bedroom, whatever. You, you just follow them around. Don't ever say anything to them. <laughs> You're probably going to get me called on you. <laughs> right? You're going to freak them out. They're going to be like, what are you doing? You're crazy. You, you talk to them, right? Building a relationship means you, means you share with them. means you open your mouth and, and put words together and share with them and tell them. That's what singing is. That's, that's where we open our heart and our spirit says, God, this is how I feel about you. This is what I think about you. I want you to know how much I love you and I'm going to tell you because I'm going to let it come out of my mouth. And singing is a fantastic way to do it because that gets some of your emotions involved. And that gets some of you, that gets your heart involved. And how many of us have been touched by a song? Most of us have been, right? And that's why singing is so important. And one of the things that you'll notice about singing here is there are different songs, right? There, you, some of you listen to Caleb, and Caleb has different songs. Some of the songs talk about God, right? Some of them talk to, some of them are, are songs that, Speak to God. So we're looking at God and thanking him for something or expressing to him what we think of him in different ways. And what we do on Sunday mornings here is we give praise to God. And the songs that are chosen are always pointed at him. And they're always, they're always directing our heart to him. Not necessarily 
what he's done for us, sometimes what he's done for us, but not very seldom, if ever, about who we are. It's, it's about who God is. And sometimes people would like to sing songs that we don't sing in worship that are great songs on Caleb, and that's, sometimes that's the reason why. Because on Sunday mornings, we want to come and we want to give, we want to give this time to God. And we, want to, we want to come and we want to worship God and give God the praise for what he's worthy of. So, we've made it through. We're to the last one, right? And I got ten minutes to get through what I really wanted to spend a lot of time on, and that is why. Why? Why do we worship God? We've talked about what it means. We've talked about who we're worshiping. We've talked about where and when and how. But how many? How many of you have ever been a two-year-old? Maybe three. What's your favorite question as a two or three-year-old? Why? Because I'm not going to do it if you don't tell me why. Right? So, so why do we worship? And it's a simple answer, but I want you to look at a passage of Scripture that to me is just beautiful. We worship God alone wherever we are, however we choose to, whenever we can, because God is worthy. Because he is worthy of our praise. Because he is worthy of our worship. And I I will tell you from years of experience that a lot of times the reason we struggle in our worship with God is we forget who is God. (laughs) And sometimes we think that we are. Don't we? Sometimes we feel like the world revolves around us. <laughs> especially, especially as you become a parent, you look back on your 13 to 23, 25 year age, that age span. The world really, really seems to become more about you <laughs> and less about other folk. I was there. I look back and I'm like, oh, it's a wonder my mom and dad didn't kill me. I'm blessed that I'm here today because I probably have been dead. It probably crossed my mom and dad's mind too a couple times. Thanks. Appreciate that. But who really is on your throne? Paul, the apostle, is one of, is a, is a man that understood worship. He understood the value of God in his life. Remember that that Paul is the one who was a Pharisee and very, very high up in religious realm, if you might say, Pharisee, part of the Sanhedrin, all that. He's got this whole list of things. He was, and he was so righteous and so holy that when this thing called the Christian movement started because of this Jesus guy, Paul said, oh, I'll do whatever I can to stop that because that's not really God because that guy couldn't really have been the Messiah, so let's just go start killing people. And, and Paul would show up in these churches, these, these house churches, he would show up and he'd just kill everybody. And, and that's, that, that's how he became known. And on his way to kill some more one day, God gets a hold of him and he stops him. And he says, hey, why are you persecuting me, God? Why are you, why are you persecuting me, Saul? 
Uh, and so they had this conversation. He said, I'm going to change your name to Paul. And you're going to become a witness for me. And Paul becomes the witness to the Gentile nation. Now, let's talk about that just real quickly. What is the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles? The Jews were chosen by God. The Gentiles were not. Right? The Jews were God's chosen people. They were the cool kids. Right? They're the ones that they're the ones that God loved and God cared about and God blessed and God did this. In in the Gentile, the people that weren't Jewish, the kings were afraid of the Jewish kings because they do the you, you read in the Old Testament, the God of the Jews, oh my goodness, if he comes around, let's not be around for that. Because so so they were two separate people. And in Ephesians three, we see Paul spill his guts to the Ephesian people. And tell them, you know what really is cool about this is that God has taken you as the Gentile and matched you with the Jews and has made you co-heirs. He's made you share in the same blessings forever that the Jews are going to get to experience. You as the Gentiles are going to get to experience. And that some of you may not understand what it means to not be the chosen one and be joined with the chosen one. I, I know what it's like to not be the chosen one. Um, my, my daughter actually laughed at me because I told her how much I weighed in sixth grade one time and she didn't believe me. <laughs> I, we had a, I tried wrestling one year. That was a really big mistake for me. But I tried wrestling one year and the, small, the, the lowest weight class was 67. And I was in sixth grade. And I could weigh in with my clothes on and eat dinner before I went to weigh in because I, I never got over 67. And so I'm saying that so, you know, I was a runt. <laughs> I was little. So when there were basketball games, if I was there and I was on the playground, if there was a basketball game or a football game, guess who got chosen last? <laughs> and sometimes I didn't even get chosen. <laughs> they just, like, act like they couldn't see me. Ooh. Oh, I guess that's it. I guess we're done. So, so and, 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 and the good part is, all of us know what it's like in some point not to be chosen, don't we? Paul says to the church in Ephesians, he says, you guys weren't chosen. You weren't the Jews. But now God has taken you and he's chosen you and he's brought you together with the chosen, chosen people. And he's made you co-heirs with them. And, and he's told you, you're going to get to share in the same blessings that they got to share in. They're no different than you are. You're going to get to have the same heaven. You're going to have the same streets of gold. You're going to have the same crystal sea. Everything is going to be the same because God has brought you together. And now you weren't chosen, but now you are. And in verse 12, Paul says, because of this, we can stand before God boldly. We can come before the Lord boldly and confidently because he's taken that away. It's a little, it's a little runt getting beat up. I, I can tell you something. I didn't try to hang out with the, with the athletes too much because <laughs> it just wasn't me. You know, it's okay. But I, I, I learned who I was. But you know what was cool? Some of those athletes like me anyway. And God does the same thing for us. And, that's, and Paul says to the church of Ephesus, he says, 
You weren't chosen, but now you are chosen. And because of that choosing, you can come before God's throne boldly and confidently. And then in verse 14, he says this. When I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. May your roots go deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love really is. Listen to that. Listen to what Paul says. Because of this, I'm on my knees. Praying. Now, when do we get on our knees if we're going to pray? When we really mean it, right? If I'm on my knees praying, I'm really serious about this prayer. I'm really serious about the reverence that I'm giving to God because we don't often kneel in prayer. Paul says, I'm on my knees in prayer begging, begging the Lord to, to, to reach down into his glorious riches. So that he can tell you how much he loves you. And I'm praying that from those riches that God brings up. I'm praying that you'll understand even though you can't understand. (laughs) That's a good preacher, right? I'm going to try and get you to understand something you're not going to be able to understand. I'm on my knees begging God to dig into his glorious riches to give you the love that he has for you and to give you the understanding of that love. The problem, church, is oftentimes we forget the holiness of God. We forget the highness of God. We forget that God is the creator. And we forget that God has done everything that we see. And we forget that God is the one, he'll be the final judge. Someday we're going to stand before the throne of God and we're going to answer for everything that we've done. And I can tell you, I hope you're not in line behind me because mine's going to be pretty long. You might want to bring a chair. But we're going to stand before God and give account for all that we've done. All that we've said. All that we've thought. Because God is holy and God is righteous. And what Paul says is, I pray that God will help you understand, even though he's so high and he's so mighty and he's so glorious and he's so full of everything good, that because of that, he bridged that gap that we had. And he took that place where you stood off and looked and said, man, I'm not chosen. I'll never be any part of that. That God crossed that chasm and, and came to us and said, 
I'm going to bring you to be part of me. I'm going to bring you together with me. Paul says, I pray, I'm begging, I'm on my knees begging that you'll be able to understand just how wide and how high and how long and how deep is the love of God because the love of God is huge to come from where he came from to love us enough to be who we are. And oftentimes we forget how long that trip is. Sometimes we get comfortable with God. Sometimes we think that we don't really have to work too hard. We don't have to really do too much because, well, you know, God was a little baby and, you know, he's really not that big. And then Paul goes on. I want you to see this in verse 20. Now. Glory be to God. By his mighty power at work within us, he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would ever dare to ask or hope. May he be given glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever through endless ages. Think about that. Think about what Paul just said. If you read in the NIV, it says, he, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ever ask or imagine. So let me help you with that. What Paul is saying is, there's a God. There's a God who can do more than you can measure beyond what you can imagine. Think about that. Just for just for two seconds, think of something that is wild beyond your imagination. Something you you believe there's no way could ever happen. Somebody could somebody you want to find Jesus and you think they never will. Somebody who needs some help and you think they'll never get it. Think of whatever you you can think of in you beyond your wildest imagination. And what Paul says is, we serve a God that can accomplish that and beyond that do more than you can measure. Infinitely more. Immeasurably more. Isn't that a cool God to worship? Isn't it it nice that, that he loves us that much? We're going to spend a little time singing a song here. The worship team is going to come forward and we're, we're going to sing another song. And I want you to take this song and I want you to get gut level honest with God. I want you to get real with him. I want you to forget who's standing beside you. I want you to forget who you're going to have dinner with today. I want you to forget what you're going to have for dinner. I want you to get gut level honest with God and I want you to say this. God, are you on my throne? Are you on the throne that I'm worshiping? Or am I? And God, if I'm on the throne, then let's switch places. I asked you at the beginning of the sermon, 
If you had anything at home that to other people might be only worth a few dollars, but to you it's, it would take millions to get rid of. Isn't that really what God is? Isn't God that possession, that person, that love that we have? Isn't he that gift that never can be taken away? Other people might not think is really worth that much. You probably have friends don't think God's worth that much. But what does God really mean to you? Is he really on your throne? Is he really the one that's the object of your worship? Do you really understand the vastness of his love? Let's pray. God, we're so grateful to have you in our life. We're grateful, Lord, that you looked at us as sinful, dirty, messed it up people (laughs) and said, I want you to be with me. And I want you to be with me so much that I'm going to send my son to make it happen. God, help us to understand as much as we can understand just how much love that takes to bridge that gap. Speak to our hearts now, Lord. And listen to our hearts return worship to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.